and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Today's guest on the Path 11 podcast is Joshua Tongle, who is a spiritual teacher, out-of-body explorer, and healing practitioner, and he is the host of the Flipside podcast. With his unique and diverse background, he has become a fresh voice for modern-day spirituality. As a rising thought leader, Josh's simple yet profound teachings have helped countless people throughout the world recover from legalism. He speaks on topics such as religion, paranormal phenomena, and personal development offering new paradigms relevant for our day and age. He has been interviewed on popular blogs such as the Huffington Post and Examiner.com, and he is also a graduate of Biola University and Talbot School of Theology. And you have to love our technology today because he lives in the <laughs> Philippines <laughs> and yeah. we're talking. Yay! All right. So, Joshua, welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, and um, I'm excited. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your upbringing, your religious background, and how you kind of moved into this line of work. But I also wanted to thank you because you allowed me a sneak peek into one of the courses that you teach, which uh, is called <laughs> Law of Attraction Mastery, Manifesting an Abundance of Health, Wealth, and Happiness. So I'm going to yeah. share some of that, my experience with your program with um, our cool. listeners today, too. But yeah, I know that you have a very interesting religious background, and mm-hmm. I would like you to maybe start there because you had said that maybe our listeners could really relate to a part of the journey that you've gone through as well. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, pretty much what I told you before we started is that I I actually did grow up in like a religious home, uh, particularly a Christian fundamentalist home. (laughs) And so my parents pretty much raised me and all that stuff. And uh, that's pretty much all that I knew. And so I, I was raised in what you would call like a charismatic type of Christianity. And so there are many versions of Christianity, whether people want to acknowledge that or not, but there's like over 30,000 plus denominations. And so there are some that are more on the conservative side, where a lot of them focus on the Bible and, you know, less less on experiences. But my kind of Christianity that I was raised in was more of the experiential type. We, we focus heavily upon experiences. And so I grew up in a type of environment where we were like speaking in tongues and people were falling down in the spirit. Like maybe you might've seen that on television with some faith healers. And so I I was pretty much raised in all of that stuff where people would always have like Holy Ghost laughter, which sounds kind of weird, but I I, I grew up around that kind of, some people would say it's like a fringe type of Christianity where it was very experiential, where people were having like open heaven visions and a lot of these types of things. And so that, honestly, that was kind of normal for me. And so, but what a lot of people don't know, um, especially if you're listening to me on the audio right now, is that I was also born with only one hand. So were you familiar with that, April? No, no. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now you know. (laughs) Yeah. So I I was born with only one hand. And so um, I actually struggled with it a lot, to be honest, because, you know, just as I'm sure you know that a lot of times kids, I mean, not just kids, sometimes even adults too, dude. I mean, kids were pretty cruel to me when I was young. And so I got teased a lot and I became very 
self-conscious about it. And so when you when you kind of put that in the mix with my religious upbringing, who, where I was taught that, you know, God is good and God does miracles and nothing's impossible. So pretty much my whole childhood, April, was that I, I was always praying for two hands, <laughs> believe it or not, which is kind of like strange for a lot of people to hear. But that was actually one of my things that I would always pray for every day because I was uh, very insecure. And so every night I would pray and then nothing would happen. <laughs> and then I would go from like one miracle crusade. We would call them miracle crusades. These really, you know, huge events where famous faith healers would be there. And I would go to those things when I was a kid. And yeah, nothing would ever happen. I would just go home disappointed unfortunately. And then, um, but things started to really change for me when I was 17 years old. And it happened when I found out that there was this one really famous faith healer who was in town. In fact, he was probably the biggest one at the time. You know, this was back in the 90s. And I remember telling my friends in school that, hey, I'm going to go to this really big crusade and I'm going to receive a miracle. You know, like I'm going to come back with two hands. And so I was using that as a way for me to kind of convert my friends to like, hey, you know, come see Jesus is real, <laughs> you know, things like that at the same time, believing that I was going to have some sort of miracle. And unfortunately, I guess you could say is that when I got there, nothing was happening. You know, I was praying, I was crying, and I was lifting up both of my hands into the air and like nothing was happening. And so I remember telling my friends and telling me, you know, I was telling my friends, like, take me to the stage, you know, maybe the faith healer needs to lay hands on me and something's going to happen when he touches me, <laughs> you know. And so I was like heading to the stage. And then I remember it was so crowded. It was thousands of people back in California because this is where I, that's where I grew up. And um, I remember the, the faith healer was like, you know, come back tomorrow. So I was like, ah, all right, fine. I'll come back tomorrow. So I went back the next day. Nothing happened. And long story short, that honestly was a turning point for me when I was 17 when I wasn't necessarily like upset in the God that I believed in, you know, the Christian God, but I was more coming to some sort of realization that maybe stuff like this doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Because even though I grew up in a church that was very much charismatic and they believed in miracles and signs and wonders, I started to re reflect on my childhood and on my life and think, you know, I don't know if I really saw any miracles, honestly, growing up, except people speaking in tongues and falling down. And, you know, maybe that stuff was all like psychological and psychosomatic, you know what I'm saying? And so- right. What happened at the same time, uh, when I was 17, I found out that one of my teachers in high school was a Christian apologist. And I never even heard of what that was at the time, you know, this word apologist. And so just in case your listeners aren't aware of what that is, an apologist is someone who basically defends something. And so different religions have their own apologists too, like Muslims. Uh, but of course, I was learning the, you know, I was learning it from a Christian perspective. And so I became heavily evolved, like extremely, I could say I was really obsessed with Christian apologetics because for the first time I was questioning my faith. And because I was a type of kid growing up who honestly just believed everything because I just, I was just a simple kid, you know, who went to church and just believed in the Bible. But now I was listening to these intellectuals who were telling me how to defend the faith, how to, um, you know, defend it against other religions and so-called cults. Right. And but the thing was, as I was exposed to these types of Christian apologists in North America, a lot of them, I could say, for the most part, and I even studied under some of these Christian apologists and, the, uh, you know, theologians and philosophers personally, is that not only did they teach you on how to, you know, defend the faith against other religions, other worldviews and cults 
results, but they also kind of trained you to also criticize different forms of Christianity, particularly the Christianity that I was raised in, which were the ones with all the faith healers. And so I ended up, you know, developing that mentality of criticizing and trying to expose the faith healers because that was my childhood growing up and also having my experience of being disappointed when I was 17, or should I say my lack of experience of not getting healed at the time. So I was trying to do a service in a way because I wanted to help people and say, hey, maybe these guys are just a bunch of charlatans asking for your money, but nothing's really going on. You know, the people who claim to be healed, you know, probably get their pain coming back or whatever. And so I became this hardcore skeptic slash critic for eight long years. And a lot of people knew me at the time as someone who wasn't very passive about it, but I was extremely aggressive about it because I would always try to talk to religious people and say, hey, you know, you got to stop believing all these guys on TV because it's fake and yada, 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 you know. And but what happened during that eight year skeptical period was back in 2005. Unfortunately, um, and definitely unexpectedly, I was dancing at a party. So just to give you some context, I was also a break dancer, believe it or not, <laughs> since mm. I was in elementary school. Um, I was dancing at a party. And then I ended up injuring my back, which resulted in something called a herniated disc and sciatica. And in case your listeners don't know what that is, uh, the disc in between the vertebrae of my spine was basically being crushed and slipping out, pinching a nerve. And this caused sharp pain to travel from my back, through my butt, all the way down to my legs and to my feet, to be honest. And so the pain that I experienced was excruciating, like it hurt like hell, no joke. And so whenever I got up in the morning out of bed, it felt like I was stepping on dozens of needles as soon as my feet touched the floor. And whenever I coughed, it hurt. Whenever I sneezed, it hurt. Whenever I laughed, it hurt. And I love to laugh a lot and I couldn't sit for too long. I walked super slow and I had to hold on to rails going up and down the stairs. And I would even sometimes randomly fall down, you know, just just walking. And so it was embarrassing at times. And so I did everything I was told to do to get better. And I, you know, like I would sleep sideways with the pillow between my legs. And I did stretches all throughout the day. I took painkillers. I did physical therapy. My Asian friends at school told me to do acupuncture. And so I did it. That didn't help. And then surprisingly, throughout the following months, my pain only got worse straight up. And you know, I would cry myself to sleep almost every night. And this was at the time when I was a, a pastor. You know, and I, I would be asking God, like, why? <laughs> you know, what's going on? I'm like, I'm doing good. And and so some of my biggest fears at the time were to think like, you know, what if I'm going to have a hard time when I have kids one day because I won't be able to carry them because of all the pressure I would put on my back or I'd never be able to be physically active again, like running or playing sports. Or worse yet, I'd never be able to walk normally ever again. And you know, I remember thinking, like, it's one thing for me to not be able to dance anymore, which I love to do, but now I could hardly walk, right? And so it's what's sad was that that was just the beginning of some major problems in my life. While this is the time that I was a skeptic, so just keep that in mind. And so not too long after that, I was at a friend's house for dinner, and I started to feel severe pain in my chest and on the left side of my body. And so I took a rest um, for a bit, and then I headed straight home. But I felt like passing out the entire time I was driving. But once I got home, I started freaking out because I thought I was 
having a heart attack because it was that painful, April. And I and I seriously thought that I was going to die right then and there. So I was like confessing my sins, you know, I got on my knees because I really thought I was going to die, you know, and I, I wanted to go to the hospital, but I didn't have the money at the time. We didn't have health insurance and I didn't know what to do. And I, you know, it probably wasn't the smartest move, but I ended up forcing myself to go to sleep and, you know, just enduring the pain. But thankfully, you know, I woke up the next day, obviously. But when I did go to the hospital, I eventually found out that, you know, I had something called GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease. And so since that day, that attack on my chest and on the left side of my body, my body, my health was never the same from that day forward. And they told me that I had this extreme form of GERDs. And I was like, dude, that's not even encouraging to hear. This is the first time I'm even hearing the term GERD. Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know what it was. And so one thing's for sure, I've never suffered from any severe chest pain at all or heartburn. Honestly, I don't remember even having really heartburn growing up until that night. And since that first attack, every single day, April, I had strong heartburn, like strong, and this disgusting taste of vomit in my throat almost 24-7. And it was nasty. And so I did everything I could do to get better. I took medicine. I ate what was considered to be healthy food, you know, even did the whole subway diet and all that stuff. And, you know, none of it worked, you know, with my elevating my head on two pillows to keep the acid down. And just like my back problems, you know, my throat and my chest pains only got worse. And so there I was, you know, in my early 20s at the time, right, you know, already suffering from serious back and throat problems, you know, and I can honestly say it was the most challenging time in my entire life, you know, both physically and emotionally and like I said you know I, I was always asking the why question because it just felt like it wasn't fair you know why was I experiencing these things I'm still a young guy and so I was wondering is my life is you know that's never going to be the same and so then I then in 2006 I met a guy who claimed to be miraculously healed and this is a guy that keep in mind that at the time, every single miracle story that I heard for those eight years, I didn't believe, like none of them. I was extremely skeptical and critical of all of the claims that I've heard from people. And But here's this guy that I met who claimed to be healed by having some sort of out-of-body experience. And at the time, a lot of people in the medical field, a lot of you know religious people would say that he's known to be like a modern day Job. And I don't know if, how familiar you are with the book of Job, but in the Bible, there's a character there who just suffered a lot. <laughs> and so they were calling this guy that I met in 2006, like a modern day Job. <laughs> and so this guy had like a, um, a ruptured discs in his spine and he had five surgeries. And you know that after you have one back surgery, you're never the same. He had five and he had to get two more, which was a total of seven. He had no blood flow in his left leg. He was bedridden 22 hours a day. And he was super, super skinny for a guy who used to be really strong. And, you know, he was pretty meaty and buff before. But then he got so skinny because of his um, his injury. And so I'm, I'm hearing this guy and I'm listening to his story. Then he talks about how one day he had an out-of-body experience. And through this out-of-body experience, he came back completely healed. And so as I'm listening to this guy, for some reason, April, I started to believe him. And it's strange because I never believe stories about people who go to heaven. I thought it was just BS <laughs> to be straight up with you. And here this guy is telling me all these stories. And he brought in documentation from UCLA, from uh, from Germany. And I'm like, dude, okay, there, there's some 
credibility with that because I need I need to see the evidence. I don't want to just hear another guy share his testimony because he can be making it up. And so to make a long story short with that, I eventually went back and revisited that whole topic of healing and paranormal phenomena, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, all the suffering that I went through, all the questioning eventually led me on a journey to discover what I now know today. And thankfully, you know, and I say this with so much gratitude in my heart, you know, my body is now completely healed, you know, and I just turned 38 back in January. Yeah. You know, so, you know, my <laughs> back's really good. Um, I literally eat whatever and whenever I want now, like for real, without any problems whatsoever. And I still get emotional to this day just thinking about it because I'm so grateful. I mean, I was even talking to my wife earlier today before the interview, just telling her and how I was kind of like looking back at my life of being sick and not being able to eat anything. Like I remember back in the day, you'd give me like a little lifesaver candy and that one lifesaver candy would screw up my throat the entire day. You know, and here I am now, I'm eating a bunch of chips and drinking a lot of things that people would say is junk food. But honestly, I eat it without any problems at all, even if it's late at night. Now, I'm not saying that that's what people should do. Obviously, a lot of people can criticize me for that, but that, that's just how I eat and I don't suffer anything. So that's how I know something happened to my body back in 2006, April, that I know cannot be explained with some sort of just naturalistic explanation, you know, because like back in the day, people would say that I would be having this sickness the rest of my life, especially the GERD. You know, I mean, I, when I got healed of my GERD, April, it literally healed in one day. And I, I used to take about around seven pills a day. Wow. And I, I quit cold turkey. It was cold turkey, April. See, I'm even getting emotional just thinking about it now. So it's crazy. You know, and so I, I went around teaching these things, these principles everywhere. I started speaking at churches back in the day, universities, events, because my life was completely transformed from the inside out where I knew that this wasn't just theory. So, you know, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. So, of course, if I just looked into the topic of healing and paranormal stuff, if I just read about it, I would still be skeptical. But, but you know, what really convinced me, April, was my own healing. And the stuff that I started to experience since 2006. And so there's a little summary for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you do speak of a good thing um, where I think it exactly takes what you went through to experience something. I mean, we can believe anything, right? A good story. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe that that works. But what I yeah. see with a lot of people and like your story too, is that it's not until it is experienced that the belief comes truly, you right. know? Um, so, so actually, why don't we, can we go into that a little bit more? So you met sure. this man and so right. he, you know, was talking about out-of-body experience. So as you yeah. are studying this, are you then learning yourself how to astral project and go out of body? And what did you do in the out-of-body state to help facilitate the healing of your body. Sure. So this is what's interesting is that back, this was back in 2006. So it was a while back when I opened myself up to healing, which was like the main thing in my life at the time that was my focus. It actually was like a gateway to that whole paranormal world, you know? And so, like I said, I, I grew up with people who claim to be healers, who claim to be prophets. This is all just the Christian vernacular, you know, but then when I look at it from a non-Christian perspective, um, there are people who are psychics, mediums, you know, channelers, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's just semantics, April. That's what I realized in retrospect when I started to remove myself from the whole religious context. And so when I met this guy, 
he was telling me about his out-of-body experiences. He didn't teach me how to do it. He was just telling me these amazing stories that really drew me in because I, I it brought me back to the time when I was a child. And my mom used to tell me stories about little kids who would go to heaven or these other people who would have near-death experiences and, you know, would, would be in these types of environments that were just so overwhelming, you know, with unconditional love and just these crazy <laughs> experiences that people had, you know. So ever since I was a kid, I've always been um, amazed by those types of experiences of near death. I just didn't want to have the near death experience, but I wanted the experience, you know. But when right. I became a skeptic, you know, I kind of just put it on the shelf. It's weird, but I, I really did. I just wasn't interested in that anymore. But when I got back into it back in 2006, I started to look back into that stuff. And what happened was, and this just happened out of nowhere. It wasn't what I was expecting because I never knew that it just happens to people. But back in 2006, I was in my university and I was just lying down on a beanbag in the library. And when I was lying down, all of a sudden I saw this bright light. Like it just was extremely bright. And I heard this sound go like that. And I was like, oh, the first thing that went on in my mind was, here we go. I heard about this. So I, that's exactly the words verbatim, I remember, <laughs> was going through my mind. But all of a sudden, I felt like I was being crushed, like I was feeling like I was being electrocuted, like crazy, like it was so strong. I felt like I was being crushed and I had sleep paralysis, which is very common, right? Mm -hmm. That a lot of people have experienced, but yet a lot of people experience it with fear. But at that very moment, if I were to be completely honest, I didn't experience any emotion at all, except it, it was completely neutral, to be honest. I just remember having this experience, feeling like I was being crushed, and then it went away, and then it came back like two or three times. And I was like, oh, what was that about? And I just kind of like put it on the shelf. I didn't know what that was, you know. And then not too long after that, I was in the library again at the university, and I was lying down on a beanbag. Then all of a sudden, from one moment of just lying down and closing my eyes, all of a sudden I woke up, and I was in another side. I was in another aisle of the library. And I was like, oh, oh what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I remember I was like, yeah, I was, I was lying down over there, but now I'm over here and my vision was very gloomy. But I was like 100% conscious, like the way I'm talking to you right now, which was so weird. And so I was tripping out and then I went back to my body and then I was like, oh, what was that all about? But then I kind of just, once again, I put that on the shelf for several years, but I was still very interested in that topic, still watching documentaries, reading books and all those things. And... I eventually found out that there are people who can induce an out-of-body experience. And I was like, what? You can you could just teach yourself how to do it? Because I'd rather do that than get in a car crash, you know? <laughs> so that's what I wanted to do. So I, I, I learned these techniques of how to astral travel. And I remember just telling my wife, like, right, I'm going to try to astral travel tonight and nothing would happen. And I would practice this for months, you know, all these techniques. And then all of a sudden, boom. One day, after several months, it happened. And then another one happened. And then I started having several of them a month. And then I even have several of them even in one day. And I could tell you 100% for myself, April, that, of course, people can you know, believe or not believe what I'm sharing. That's fine. But I know the difference between a, a lucid dream that I used to have a lot when I was growing up and a lucid dream for people who aren't sure where that is. It's just that when you become aware that you're dreaming, you know, that's it. And But this time around... It's like I was in environments that's just like where I'm at right now. And so I would float out of my body and I would be floating up to the ceiling and turn around and I see my wife and I in bed 
It's like, oh, snap, this is working, <laughs> you know, and then I would think of a place and then boom, I'd be there like in America when I'm living here in the Philippines. And that's when I started to see even the whole law of attraction, you know, come into play. And so you asked me on how this kind of facilitate facilitated in my healing. It didn't because out of body stuff happened, at least the practice of it happened a lot later then it came into my healing. But yeah, there are stories of people, a lot of stories of people who are, who are actually healed through an out-of-body state, like that guy that I met in 2006, whose name is Willie Beeson. You also have the story of Anita Morjani. You know, uh, how, you know there, there's a lot of people that I can mention. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of things and a lot of places that you can visit in this out-of-body state. Yeah. So, so the healing actually came when you started opening up more to the whole philosophy of healing and the paranormal and investigating that. And then that caused, um, like your body to come into maybe an energetic alignment, or was there an understanding that you're more than the physical body, which allowed the pain and the GERD to go away? I mean, how, how do you put that into words? Yeah. So at the time, once again, it was more within the Christian context. But when I look back in retrospect, it was through the science of manifestation of the law of attraction, because in Christianity, which is very interesting, because um, I used to criticize when I became more conservative back in 2000. Uh, when, when was that? When I was 17, when I became more conservative as a Christian and I started criticizing faith healers, I remember criticizing a lot of these Christian charismatics as being too much into like the new age stuff. Like, oh, these guys talk about healing and speaking words into existence. That's all new thought, metaphysic, you know, metaphysical mumbo jumbo stuff, you know. But when I look back now, that was all when it comes that that's all the science of manifestation when I look back, because at that time, I still had the Christian framework. You know, I still identified myself at the Christian as a Christian at the time. I was taught to speak things into existence. I was taught to believe that my healing is already done, right? So every time I would quote unquote pray back in the day as a Christian, I would always pray and say, thank you for my healing. I'm healed. It wasn't, I wasn't saying I am going to be healed one day, tomorrow or one day. I I was, you know, speaking as if I'm already healed. And the more that I started to speak it, the more there, of course, there was a struggle in the beginning because you feel like you're lying to yourself, <laughs> you know what I mean? But the more that I started to speak it, the more I started to believe it. And the more I started to believe it, the more I saw my body start to reflect the things that I was starting to believe. And so from within, so without. And so that's how the metaphysics of it all starts to play out, especially since we live in this quantum universe, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, it, it was, you know, learning all these concepts, these laws, and the metaphysics and applying it to my life until it became a true reality where I became healed of these things. Yeah, I'm glad that you put those two together because I, you know, as you're talking, I write down a couple of notes and I was thinking or writing down too that probably what you were seeing when you said earlier was this all psychosomatic that these people were believing that they were healed. I'm like, well, that's part of law of attraction, right? They're thinking it, they're believing it, and bam, it happens. Yeah, 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 pretty much. (laughs) So let's go into that a little bit more. Um, You know, the the course that you allowed me to go through is the law of attraction mastery manifesting uh, an abundance of health, wealth, and happiness. So um, we don't specifically have to talk about the course per se. It was great. I loved seeing your face. It was so nice (laughs) to like watch you and, you know, you're such a great storyteller and um, you. you know, it's just really, really enjoyable. But yeah, you know, I guess I'm at, 
at a point where I'm not at the beginner level of law of attraction. And some of our listeners may be, or they might be a little bit more where they truly intellectually get the concept. Um, they understand it, they practice it. And uh, I would say that's where I am too. And I have seen it work. And when it works, I'm like, what the heck did I just do? Cause I want to replicate it and do it again. And then sometimes I feel like when I'm trying so hard, you know, all to, right. To manifest and do that, that like, I'm not getting any response. And, you know, over the, over the years, I definitely can say that I believe now that abundance is my birthright. Mm. And, um, and I'm not afraid to attract abundance in anything, health, wealth, or Mm. happiness. Um, yet sometimes it still feels like something is caught up and I don't know, I, where, where I feel like, okay, if I have the intellect, right. And I've experienced, I've had that experience like you have, I can feel it in my being. I do believe that I am worthy. Um, I do believe abundance is the birthright. Then I look at my life and I'm like, yeah, but there's still some areas where there seems to be some struggle or it's not flowing as easily as I would like it. So I kind of, I don't feel like I'm that advanced manifester, but sometimes I could do it really well. It's not consistent, Mm. but I also feel like I've moved beyond kind of that beginner point of just learning about what these uh, laws of the universe are. So I'm right in the middle. Okay, cool. I mean, you know, we're all on a, in a process, right? And so even yeah. I'm still learning some things. Um, we're all on a journey. And, you know, I, I think for some people, it might be applied to you, it might not. But, you know, a lot of times it's because some of us have certain beliefs that are still there within our subconscious mind that, you know, keep us from receiving certain things. And so I could kind of get into that because, yeah. you know, we, we all have, we all have two minds, which a lot of people are not used to hearing, right? But we have something called a conscious or the objective mind, which is a rational mind. And it's the, it's a voluntary mind that pretty much analyzes all the information and actually decides, right? So like for you, like you, you, you decided you wanted to make a podcast, you decided what you're going to be be eating tomorrow, et cetera, right? But then we also have something called a subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind or the subjective mind, on the other hand, it's the irrational mind. And it doesn't think and choose the same way that the conscious mind does. And so it actually reacts based on the information that's stored in it. The conscious mind works 24-7, and so it never sleeps. And so it actually orchestrates all of your bodily functions without you consciously choosing, from pumping blood and digesting food and breathing. I mean, you don't have to like wake up in the morning and tell your heart to beat, right? You know, <laughs> right. it's like, are you don't have to remind yourself to breathe. I mean, if you did, you'd probably be dead by now, right? So, you know, it has no filter, though. It has no sense of humor. It's very neutral in that sense. So it can't tell the difference between reality and an imagined thought. And so, for example, like kind of what you were saying, you know, you're able to manifest certain things, but in these other areas, for some reason, there's a quote-unquote block, right? So if I were to give an example, I could give an example of how I was growing up as as a religious person. I would wake up every morning and I would read what's called like a devotional, you know. So back in the day, I'd, I'd read like a couple Bible verses or like a Christian book or something. And so some people even do this today. You don't have to be a Christian. Like they'll just read like some positive affirmations and they'll be feeling really, really good. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're like, all right, I'm going to go about my day. I'm happy. I'm feeling good, etc. But then 30 minutes later, boom, <laughs> out of nowhere, they feel like crap. Right. And you're like, what the heck, dude, what happened? You know, why do I suddenly feel this way for no reason? And that's the thing. There is a reason. 
And it's the good old subconscious mind that started kicking in because a lot of people don't realize that we operate from our subconscious mind 95% of the time. And so many of us are conscious about like, I want to make more money. But subconsciously, we have the beliefs of lack and scarcity that we have so many experiences that have, have made our subconscious belief stronger. You know, maybe we always heard it growing up like money's hard or you're always going to be poor. And so consciously at this time in your life, you want to make more money. But subconsciously, these beliefs of scarcity and lack and not having enough or being enough has been so ingrained into our subconscious. And so that's you know, one of the reasons why it's, it's quote unquote hard for people to manifest certain things, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And then, you know, the other thing that I was, um, you know, trying to think about the whole process too, is maybe the level of practice or the amount of time and effort that you are spending, you know, thinking, um, about this, this freedom and this abundance. Like when you were saying you would pray and you would just say, thank you for my healing, you know, it's like, one prayer a day enough? Or is it something that mm. really has to run? Because like you said, you know, our that subconscious mind is running 95% of the time. So yeah. is it kind of our job to make sure that this type of thinking is running in the background a, a greater percentage of the time in order for that ener- our energy and our vibra- vibration to raise in order to be able to attract like vibration? Is that one yeah, of the so- yeah, so like the thing is, ultimately, everyone has a responsibility to try to persuade themselves because everyone's at a different quote unquote level, right? And so, a lot of times, beliefs can change immediately, right? So, to some, you know, having some sort of like a near death experience that could right. change a person in an instant. Honestly, right. they don't need to read a book on that. But then there are other people who need a little bit more time. They just need a little bit more persuasion. And so that can come in the form of hypnosis. It could come in the form of just, you know, saying a bunch of affirmations when you go to bed or reading a bunch of books. But but yeah, we are all responsible for on how we can start to shift our beliefs. And so it's, it's different for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I remember when I interviewed Bruce Lipton, and one of the things that I took away from that conversation, he said, just look at all the areas in your life and the areas where your life really isn't working that well, that's where you have a subconscious block. And that's kind yeah. of like where you need to go. And, and it's true. I think a lot of people could say, oh, well, you know, I, I do really well. I'm really successful at work, but you know, my relationships with people is like sucks, you know, <laughs> or I'm super healthy, but I have no self-esteem to like carry out anything, you know? So it, it, yeah. it seems like every person that I talk to that works with law of attraction, um, and all of this stuff, it really does go back to these belief systems that yeah. typically tend to develop when we are young. Yeah. And uh, being influenced, you know, in the world and just watching and observing. Um, and, and not only when we're young, I mean, it can happen, like you said, like when we're teenagers or young adults or, mm. you know, whatever it is that we're faced with. But, um, you know, I do believe that that we're not here to suffer. Right, right. You know? I don't either. You know, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, we've come into this world to have a bunch of experiences, you know, experiences to screw us over, you know, and just ruin our lives and wish we would never be born. But I'm, I'm trying through my work, I'm trying to give people a perspective to look at your experiences, to look at your challenges as some sort of teachers. Right. But but the thing is, we're, we're so fixated on this material, physical universe where some of us were not even aware of these laws that could help us transcend to help us overcome, so to speak, a lot of the challenges that we're going through, whether it be with our health, 
or money-wise or relationship-wise. I mean, there, there's a metaphysics going on. We're more than a physical world, you know. And so with the law of attraction, with these laws of the universe, I believe we're able to, you know, flourish in this life. And I, you know what I mean? Because I don't want to just live this life just to injure. <laughs> you know, I, I want to enjoy. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So can you give the listeners some tips on, you, you know, maybe some ways that people can begin to raise their vibration um, that is something that could be a takeaway from them, maybe something that they're not doing or something, you know, when you're coaching people and you see that if someone just fine tunes their vibration just in the slightest, that that may yeah. begin to give them that experience uh, for them to see that, quote unquote, proof that this is working. Sure, sure. So let me give the let me give the gist of like what the law of attraction, how it works, so to speak. And so, you know, the law of attraction, it is said to be the most powerful law in the universe. And so just, you know, even though you're not at a beginner level, like I could let me start off with the basics for your listeners, sure. <laughs> you know, that, that at a level of thought. Uh, like it like does attract like and so we have to we have to really think of ourselves as like a powerful magnet who has thoughts that vibrate at certain frequencies and so you know your thoughts are sent out into the universe and then they magnetically attract all like things that are on the same frequency and so a lot of people are already familiar with that definition right but what does it really mean though and so I, I've seen a lot of people really not understand the law of attraction where they think that it's all about positive thinking you know, especially those people who criticize the law of attraction, thinking that it doesn't work. And so I deal with a lot of religious people. And so if you're if you're one of the things that people take a lot away from my from my workshops and from my courses and webinars is when I address this issue, because, for example, a lot of people believe that there's a God that's out there. Okay, so there's God out there who's like randomly selecting people saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm not going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and I'm not going to bless you. And therefore removing all responsibility from people's lives. And I'm trying to show people, okay, if you want to know on how this works, that's not what's going on. <laughs> if you think God is just like randomly selecting people of who to, to bless and here I'm going to make this person sick and have cancer or whatever, you know, because if that were the case, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if people would get all angry and pissed off at God, if, if that's the way it works. And so what I'm trying to show is that God is not some far off deity in the sky, randomly blessing people. Okay. But what I am saying is that what's really going on is that the universe, the quantum field, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter, is simply responding to you. Okay, so it, the universe is responding to people based on the vibrations that they're emitting and putting out there and basically matching their frequencies. And that's what people really have to get before I, I just give them a bunch of tips and say, do this, do that, do that, do that. I really want them to get this understanding that Whatever you're putting out vibrationally, the universe is going to match it. That's the law of attraction. And so, you know, since everything is energy, let's let's look, let me give an example about finances. Let's let's start with that. And so a lot of people, especially, you know, millennials, we always talk about like, I want to be financially free. You know, they read they read Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something, you know, but then I ask a lot of these people that I coach is like, what exactly does that even mean? You know, that you want to be financially free, right? Because a lot of people are, are pushing that even on Instagram, on ads, and, you know, they're, they're promoting all these things that I'm like, well, you know, for some people, being financially free 
means that you have like multiple streams of income, you know, where they don't have to work like a nine to five job anymore, or their debts finally all paid off, or they have a million dollars in the bank, or, you know, they have an online job that allows them to work anywhere around the world. Now, you know, those are all dope, dude, don't get me wrong. Those can all be really good things if you have them. But think about this for a moment. What happens to your financial quote unquote stability, your security, once for whatever reason, something goes wrong with that thing that supposedly gives you your financial freedom, right? So like maybe your business starts to struggle or you get fired from that one job that pays you a whole bunch of money or the stock market crashes or whatever, then what, right? And so you see there's a, there's a misconception that once you have a lot of money, then and only then can you finally experience all this freedom. And finally, notice I'm highlighting finally, <laughs> you have all this time to do whatever it is that you love to do and finally enjoy life. But here's what I discovered, April. If this is something that, like a tip for your listeners, is to let them know that that's a lie. <laughs> that's all a lie, right? And that kind of thinking is actually backwards. It's contrary to the way things work in the universe because the truth is, and this is so liberating when I first learned this, April, is that the truth is you first exercise and enjoy your freedom. No matter what your situation is, no matter what your money situation is, and then more money and abundance and all those other awesome experiences will follow. So you first exercise and enjoy your freedom. That's a huge tip, right? You first create the feeling, the vibration, the state of being, and then the rest will follow. But then someone can be like, Josh, what the hell are you talking about? You know, I don't get to travel all over the world and do what I love to do because I'm working my ass off. And I don't have the money, nor the time, right? And maybe some of your listeners can relate to that. You know, and I know that I used to think like that back in the day. But here's where the shift in perspective happens. I tell people, why don't you start with where you're at, right? Why don't you start with where you're at? So, for example, why don't you focus on where you can travel to now and do all the things that you love to do that make you happy now, so, for example, you know, instead of only thinking about hopping on a plane and backpacking all throughout Europe and Asia, you know, all that fun stuff. Now, how about starting right outside your home? So I'm serious, right? You can still enjoy and feel good by walking to a nice park or heading to the nearest beach and enjoying the sunset. That's free. <laughs> and even taking a little road trip to another city or state that you've never been to and still have that feeling, right? That feeling, that vibration, that state of being of gratitude and adventure that a lot of people are looking for, right? Because why only think of all these so-called big adventures of traveling around the world that'll cost you a lot of money that you probably don't even have in your bank account when you can still have that travel bug feeling, notice I emphasize the word feeling, and adventurous spirit wherever you are right now. Treat them as like little mini vacations because it's all about mindset since we you have to start somewhere. And so where am I going with this? The secret is, is that with, with these good feelings, because remember, it's all about creating the feeling that you want, right? And holding it for as long as you can. With these feelings that you're vibrating of love and adventure and excitement and gratitude, then boom, that's when you'll start attracting and manifesting more of these similar kinds of experiences. How? By matching what you're already feeling, by what you're already vibrating, since everything is energy and we're all vibrating at certain frequencies. And so 
what I tell people is that, you know, a lot of people think that they don't have the choice, right, or the freedom to do what they love to do or to travel right now. And I'm here to tell them that you do. <laughs> you always have the choice to do something that you love right now. And so we just need to stop looking so far out there first and forget what's right in front of us, right? And so that's what I really want people to get before I tell them all these tips and affirmations that you could say every day. I want them to get the gist of this, that, that you are not going to be free one day, right? You are not going to be free one day. And now that sounds so discouraging to hear, but that's not what I mean. I'm not done yet. Why? Because you're already free. That's right. it. You're already free. <laughs> you know, and so I tell people, let that sink in. You're already free, dude. And so we got to stop with all the excuses and stop depriving ourselves from having all these awesome and amazing experiences and feelings just because we think that we don't have enough because there's always plenty of options for us to choose from if we just look, you know, just what's right in front of us. And so because I know a lot of people, April, honestly, who, you know, even after they finished paying off all their debt, they still didn't feel any different afterwards. <laughs> Why? Because true abundance and true freedom, true happiness always, always, always comes from the inside. And so, you know, that's that's the thing that if you're able to see yourself and and if I were to ask you, you know, who are you without all the money? Right. Or, or April and Mike, who are you guys without Path 11 Productions. Who are you without your your house or your car? Not saying that these things are bad, but if I were to say, if you didn't have these things, you know, who are you then? You know, are you still somebody? Who am I if I didn't have speaking engagements or if I didn't you know, have people reaching out to me, asking me for help? You know, would I still find value in myself or is my identity found in those things? And so what I'm trying to show people the way the law of attraction really works is that if you can still find your value first and your self-worth and your self-respect without all those things, that's going to make all the difference because when you're at that vibration, you're going to start attracting all similar like things. And so earlier you were mentioning about how you were trying really hard for certain things. And it's funny because my latest video is about how we try so hard for certain things and we don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that interesting? And mm -hmm. so here's what I tell people is that here's the paradox. Isn't it interesting? And I know I can relate to this is that when you don't need the money, you it get comes. it. <laughs> right? And when you stop trying so hard to get a client, all of a sudden, someone seeks you out. Or when you stop trying so hard to come up with the rent money at the month and you fall short, you know, and you're like, shoot, you know, I, I give up. I don't know what to do anymore. Then boom, money somehow appears. And so here is the eye opener is that once you have the courage to free yourself from the strong emotional attachment to a specific outcome, whatever it is, your health, money, whatever, relationships, because a strong emotional attachment assumes what? That you don't really have it, right? That you're clinging on to it so tightly because it's not really yours. <laughs> so you don't fully own it. You know what I'm saying? And so desperately wanting something or desperately trying to make something happen, right? Or trying really hard. A lot of people, I remember, I hear them say, I'm, I'm trying and praying really hard, praying really hard and meditating. What does that even mean, right? If you're desperately wanting something and being so emotionally attached to a particular outcome means you really want it now because you don't have it. But if the law of attraction is true and if like attracts like, then vibrationally, 
desperately wanting something attracts more what? More wanting, <laughs> which leads to never having because of the vibration that you're putting out there. And so the sum of it all is ultimately is that you don't want to identify with those things, right? Don't let these external factors determine our freedom. Always look from within that you're already, quote unquote, blessed and abundant and free and happy. You know, we always have to look from within because when you really think about it, the universe doesn't always give you what you want. That That's a given, right? You don't always get what you want. But since we're vibrational beings and like attracts like, we do get who we are, right? Because it's all about being. We get, we attract who or what we are. And so we see real. We don't see reality as it is, but we see reality as we are. And so it's about waking up to that reality, I believe. that that That's my message that I share a lot, April. Beautifully said. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And, and you offer so much on your website too. I mean, you have live trainings, you have courses and coaching and books and a podcast. Um, so I would really encourage our listeners to check your website out. It's joshuatongle.com and, uh, he spells his name J O S H U A T O N G O L. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much. I mean, you're you're a great guest to have on. I love your energy. I really enjoyed, um, you know, taking your course on what is it? Think, thinkific. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's not thinkific. Yeah, yeah. That's it. it Was so neat. Yours is actually like the first online course that I ever got a chance to experience. So awesome. Thank you for that gift, and I will consider that to be my my dose of abundance um, (laughs) coming my way. Um, I have have a a dose of abundance for your audience. Um, I sent this in the email that I would actually have a discount code for your listeners. If they're interested in purchasing the course, I'd give them 50% off. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How how do they get that um, code? Yeah, so if you were to go to the link, if you're gonna, if you could put the link in the uh, podcast notes, just type in the word save fifty s a v e. So like save fifty percent. So save fifty at the checkout page, and then boom, you'll get fifty percent off of the course. Oh, there you go. awesome! Thanks so much, <laughs> Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate you guys and what you're doing. I love your show. I told my wife that your podcast is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. So I love your guests. Awesome. (laughs) It's a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, and we'd love to have you back on, you know, if you have new stuff coming out, um, please keep us in mind and, uh, we'd love to have you back. Awesome. Thanks you guys. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four day, four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out of body experiences and life changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends. That was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, 
I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today. 